You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Advances in Women's Health, sponsored in part by Eli Lilly. Your host is Dr. Lauren Stryker, Assistant Clinical Professor of Obstetrics and Gynecology at Northwestern University Medical School, the Feinberg School of Medicine. Move over, Marcus Welby. Non-traditional paths to medical careers are shaping the next generation of doctors. With me today are Lena Rodriguez and Thea Sakata. Both are medical students at Northwestern University's Feinberg School of Medicine in Chicago. The typical photo from a 1950s medical school graduation class be comprised entirely of Caucasian young men from privileged families who had entered medical school immediately after completing a four-year undergraduate degree. Graduation photo today would look very different. Not only would there be an equal distribution of both genders, but virtually every race and ethnicity would be represented. In addition, many men and women enter medical school after having years of experience in the workplace, often in a non-health or science-related field. Today we are discussing non-traditional roads to medical school and the impact of gender and ethnicity on the medical school experience and future career goals. Welcome, Ms. Rodriguez and Ms. Sakata. Let's start with you, Thea. You didn't enroll in medical school until five years after you completed your undergraduate degree. What was your undergraduate degree in, and what were your initial plans for graduation? My undergraduate degree was in environmental science and public policy. And when I first graduated from college, I had no idea what I wanted to do with myself. So I did what you know anyone in my position would do and, and went off to get a master's degree in a field called land economy. And from there, I was thinking I would figure out some sort of career path into land use planning or environmental policy. When I graduated from college, if you had told me that five years later I would find myself in medical school, I, I would have looked at you and thought you were crazy. Now, Lena, you took a more traditional role. What did you study as an undergrad, and at what point did you decide to go to medical school? I knew that I wanted to go to medical school pretty early on, but I knew that I didn't want to just do the science courses in undergrad. So I was a French studies major, and I went abroad to France, too. So even though I decided that I wanted to go to medical school, I also knew that I wanted to do some other things before I got there. And did you have anyone that kind of steered you to do that, or was that something you just realized on your own? I think that my family was a strong influence on me because there's a lot of my relatives that are involved in medicine. So I knew after seeing what they were doing on a daily basis that that's what I wanted to do, but I wanted to do something else in addition. So Thea, in this five years between undergrad and medical school, you got your master's. And then was there a time between completing your master's and going to medical school? Sure. Yeah. The the general flow is like this. I, I finished my master's degree, moved to Boston for a year and kind of didn't do a whole lot thinking that by then I had sort of thought that medicine might be in my future, but I needed needed a year to kind of take it all in and figure out if that's actually what I wanted to do or if that might have just been a whim. So then after that, I did a post back year in New York. And then after that, I did two years working in clinical research in San Francisco. And were you working in clinical research because you thought that would help in your decision and your path? Or did you just honestly need to make some money at that point? Well, largely, I needed something to do while I was applying to med school because that, that in and of itself is kind of a year-long process. I started toying with the idea of academic medicine as a possible future for me, and it seemed like that would be a really great opportunity for me to learn a little bit about what went into a portion of academic medicine. Lena, I mean, you took the traditional path, but you're hardly a traditional student. So tell us a little bit about your background. I was born in Colombia, South America, and my family moved here when I was 12. And so I went to junior high and high school in Ohio. So that was a different experience altogether. And then I went to undergraduate at Northwestern, too. So I went to Chicago, and I've been in Chicago at Northwestern ever since. 
Thea, do you think that the intervening five years was an advantage or a disadvantage? I mean, what was it like going to medical school and being a brand new first-year student? This is something I've, I've thought about quite a bit, actually. It's definitely been a disadvantage in that I think somewhere in those five years, I got really bad at school. This year has been incredibly challenging for me. It's funny, I sort of look around me and, and there's there's folks in our class who are just turning 21 and, and I feel like my frame of reference is just totally different. And certainly I sit in lecture and there's folks who are, who are learning definitely more used to, I think, PowerPoint presentations and lectures and more close to the sort of memorization that you need to do. Whereas having been out of school for so long, it's sort of strange. It's like walking back into a strange land that you, you sort of recognize, but but things have changed. But on the flip side, I think it's definitely been an advantage because especially the experience I was able to have working in clinical research, and I also did some shared decision-making work with patients in a cancer clinic. You can throw me in a room with a patient, and I'm perfectly happy working with them directly and talking to patients, and I'm very comfortable with that, but it's a mix. You know, and it's interesting because when you do start working with patients, particularly when you do your residency, I think you're right that you're going to have a much easier time relating to patients because of your maturity and your life experiences. But you're also going to have to work with residents or even attending physicians who may be younger than you or have had less life experience. Do you think that's going to present a problem? Well, I like to think I timed this perfectly so that my friends who went directly into medical school out of college will be attendings when when I'm applying for residency programs. I don't think that'll be a huge problem. I like to think of myself as someone who definitely has friends of all ages and can relate to people in, in different age sets. And certainly being in med school with a lot of people who are younger than I am, I think will help kind of smooth over any any sort of generational, so to speak, differences in that respect. Yeah. You know, Lena, I'd like to spend some time talking about the experience of a Latina woman in medical school. Do you think your experience is different than, say, the Caucasian men? I definitely think so, yes. I think my values are very different, and that translates to how I speak to patients, how I think their problems should be faced. And so I've noticed that a lot doing more community health clinics and noticing that such a vital role is played by the family, whereas for many of my peers, that's not really understood. So I think I see medicine a lot more from a family perspective, a social like community perspective. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Advances in Women's Health on ReachMDX. XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker, and I'm speaking with medical students Lena Rodriguez and Thea Sakata about their experience as non-traditional medical students. Now, Lena, you're talking about the advantage, if you will, that you have to being a Latina woman in terms of, of relating to patients. What do you think, though, about relating to your other medical students, to your teachers? Do you feel that in any way your experience is different or you're treated differently than more traditional students? I don't know that I'm treated differently. I think I approach things differently. And so the things that are important to me when I'm learning sometimes make our professors think a little bit about different things than what we're talking about. So I think I bring a new perspective to it. And I think it's difficult for me sometimes to see the very strict ways of looking at certain problems that we sometimes face in medicine. So I think that's a bit different. But overall, I think that we're doing a really good job of incorporating both men and women's views in the medical field. Mm -hmm. Do you, Have you had any negative experiences in medical school up to now that you feel were related to your gender, your ethnicity? In general, that hasn't been the case. That could also be because I have been in the United States long enough that I have adopted many of the values too, so there's not a huge problem there. Yeah. Hey, what about you? Do you feel like you had any negative experiences with people challenging the fact that you're in medical school when you've done all this other stuff first? 
It's funny, a little bit of that came from some of my friends and to some degree my parents when I first went home and said, you know what, mom and dad, I think I really did want to go to med school after all. And my brother also, my brother, bless his heart, thinks that I've I've wasted my college degree. I went to an Ivy League school and he thinks I've, I've completely wasted that by not going to work for a hedge fund. Do you think you've had any particularly good experiences from people interacting with you a little bit differently because of your background? It's hard for me to say only because I, I don't feel like I know anything different. Having had some some degree of, of clinical experience before, I remember in some of our small group discussion sessions, I probably challenged our faculty preceptor a little bit more than some of the other students have in shared decision making and also bringing up some ethical situations that I encountered over the last couple of years. So only in that respect, I think people sometimes look at me like I'm from a different planet because I'll have brought up something that they never would have thought of or maybe haven't had that experience yet, but only in that regard. Now, Lena, what are your plans for the future and how has your background influenced those plans? I think that I have a very strong interest in international health. And I think that because I have been abroad, I am from a different country. I am much more interested in not only what is going on here, but also abroad. So I definitely think that I will be involved in some of that in the future. I also am very open to what kind of profession I want to be into. Right now, I'm interested in a million things. So I'm very excited to see where that takes me. And I think that I will want to sort of bridge some gaps between different values that are seen in medicine here and abroad. I think that it would be really interesting to go back to Columbia at home and work with physicians there and learn a little bit from them and try to bring them here and have more of a communication. Thea, yeah, I'd like to hear what your plans are for the future. And if you'd gone directly to medical school from your undergrad, do you think you'd be headed in a different direction? Oh, absolutely. I think if I had gone directly into medical school from as an undergrad, I'd probably be looking at more of a future in community medicine, maybe being in private practice, working in a community hospital, working in a community clinic. And having had a lot of time between college and med school, I definitely see getting a medical degree as part of a longer career path. I mean, in all reality, I feel like I'm also, to a good extent, making things up as I go. But I think my really long-term goal is to find myself working in an academic med center on issues of environmental health and hopefully bringing my land use degree into play in some respect and, and maybe do land use and public health in the future while also kind of having some clinical stuff on the side and seeing patients. I would like to thank my guests, Lena Rodriguez and Thea Sakata, who have shared with us their experiences as non-traditional medical students. We are fortunate that the physicians of the future bring with them a broad range of life experiences and a diversity of backgrounds that can only enhance their ability to care for their patients. I am Dr. Lauren Stryker. Please visit our website at reachmd.com, which features our entire library through on-demand podcasts, or call us toll-free with your comments and suggestions at 888-MD-XM-157. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Advances in Women's Health, sponsored in part by Eli Lilly with your host, Dr. Lawrence Stryker. For more details on the interviews and conversations in this week's show, or to download the segment, please go to reachmd.com forward slash women's health. Well, hello, Nancy. Hi, doctor. How's the osteoporosis medicine I prescribed working for you? Well, it's fine, doctor. But, you know, I saw this commercial for something called a Vista, Reloxifene Hydrochloride, Yes, Avista. It's prescription only, and it's the one medicine that treats osteoporosis and reduces the risk of invasive breast cancer in postmenopausal women with osteoporosis. It's important to note, though, that Avista does not treat breast cancer, prevent its return, or reduce the risk of all forms of breast cancer. Am I at risk for invasive breast cancer? 
I don't have a family history. Well, family history is important, but there are other risk factors that I need to take into consideration, including your advancing age and personal history. And based on my risk assessment, you may be at risk. So you think Avista is right for me? Well, individual results may vary, but I think for you, the benefits of Avista would outweigh the potential risks. Let's switch you today. Well, thank you, Doctor. I'm glad I asked about it. <laughs> no problem. Avista increases the risk of blood clots and should not be used by women who have or have had blood clots in the legs, lungs, or eyes. Avista may increase the risk of dying from stroke in women at high risk for heart disease or stroke. Talk to your doctor about all your medical conditions. Seek care immediately if you have leg pain or warmth, swelling of the legs, hands, or feet, chest pain, shortness of breath, or a sudden vision change. Do not use Avista if you are pregnant, nursing, or may become pregnant, as it may cause fetal harm. Women with liver or kidney disease should use Avista with caution. Avista should not be taken with estrogens. Side effects may include hot flashes, leg cramps, and swelling. For more information about Avista, contact your Lilly Sales representative, visit www.avista.com, see our ad in Good Housekeeping, or call 1-888-44-AVISTA.